Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Join Mason and Jake each week as they try new wines and discover how much government is in your drink. Hello and welcome to another fantastic episode of Tasting Anarchy. I'm your host, Jacob Lindsay, and as always, I'm joined by... Mason Joseph. And uh, we've got a... Eh, I'd say, I wouldn't say ill-prepared episode, but... Uh, you know, I was scouring my normal haunts for wine news, and there just wasn't really that anything, wasn't really anything that interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got a couple of things that, like, maybe we'll touch on, and we'll just see where the conversation goes. Uh, but it turns out that we're both sipping on the same thing today. Yeah. So it'll be kind of fun to see what uh, each of us thinks about it. And if you have any honor- honorable mentions, we can talk about that as well. Yeah, we'll see what, how much of I remember of it. Cause this weekend has been a, uh, not like a, like hammered drinking, like binge, but like a lot of extra drinking this okay, weekend by comparison. Um, yeah. so, you know, it was one of those like, okay, hanging out and, uh, opened a bottle of, uh, something that you got us. And then, opened the uh the wine that we're going to talk about in addition to it um because i was like i need two things yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so what what do you got jacob all right well so i'm going to give my honorable mention before we get sure. into the wine that we're actually sharing and that is and the only reason i'm giving this is because i've never had it before mm-hmm. i don't recall having ever heard it uh i could be wrong though Mm-hmm. Uh, it is Deuce Noir, a.k.a. Bonarda, a.k.a. Corbeau, or Corbeau, uh, a.k.a. Charbono. <laughs> and this is a red grape. Uh, it is from Savoy originally, but uh-huh. apparently it is a pretty popular grape to plant in Argentina. And... So I actually had, I I was in the other red section of Total Wine, which I haven't been to Total Wine in a long time, I realized when I was there. Uh, And I, and I also haven't browsed in a long time. So it's been Mm -hmm. a while since I've, I've just browsed. And so I was in the other red section. Actually, there was a, there was a couple of things I found that were kind of interesting, but uh, I was in the other red section looking around and um, I saw this and I went, I don't think I've ever had that. And I looked it up and I was like, I'm almost certain I've never had that. And it was from uh, Argentina, from Mendoza. Uh, I drank the entire bottle yesterday. So, I mean, I guess that's an indicator that was good. <laughs> I I don't know what to think about it yet. It's interesting. And I don't really know the best way to describe it. One thing that is particularly interesting, and I don't – usually I don't uh, – I don't really – I wouldn't say this is a good flavor necessarily in a wine, mm-hmm. but it did kind of had that Concord grape grape flavor, hmm. which is a little bit unusual for, uh, you know, Vitiviniferous, I think is the European grape. It, it is a European grape. Uh, it was very fruity. It was tannic. It had interesting texture. It had a lot of interesting other flavors, but it was not – and this was a this was a cheap a cheap version of this. This was like I think it was like fourteen bucks. It was not expensive at all. So I, a good introduction, I think. And it wasn't like disgusting, so it didn't like turn me off. But uh, <laughs> when I was reading about it, I was like, "This is interesting." A lot of people compare it to a fruitier version of Malbec, mm-hmm. um, and I like Malbec. Uh, and apparently, there is also an Italian grape that uh is also called bernarda but it was confused in argentina so they call this in argentina bernarda but it's actually deuce noir which is not the same as the italian grape bernarda ah so it's just one of those kind of weird confusion things which actually we're going to get into with the wine that we shared because that also had an interesting confusion um so anyways uh it's interesting i i like it a lot or well i i that's the that's not the right way to say it I liked it enough that I'm willing to try more of it. That makes sense. And yeah. And apparently this is, I guess the second or third most popular thing for Argentina to produce. They just don't export a lot, but it might be the next big thing for Argentina to export because Mm -hmm. it is apparently something that 
they're really the only ones who are growing a lot of this. Uh, apparently, it doesn't they don't even really grow it in Savoy anymore. They, they grow a little bit, but it's mostly for local consumption. And Argentina does actually grow quite a bit. So it might start becoming a, a popular grape to uh, make wine uh, that we'll be importing from Argentina. So yeah. that's something to keep an eye out. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Very, very dark, uh, deep, deep color, but uh, very fruity. It actually sort of reminded me of Gamay a little bit, but less, uh, more grapey fruity and less like fruity fruity, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. So it, it did have kind of that Concord grape flavor to it, which yeah. I thought was interesting. So might be might be attractive to other people, but it, did, it was also tannic in, at least this one was tannic in sort of that, uh, sort of like gravelly tannic where it's kind of more like chalk or something. Mm-hmm. It gives that kind of like drier chalk flavor. It was, it was interesting. I, I, I recommend trying it out. If they have it at your total wine, um, I actually did not write down what, what this one was called, but if you ever see it, uh, Bonarda or Deuce Noir, just check it out. Cause it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Sounds like it. Uh, but to get into what we're sharing is you picked this out. I guess this was on sale. Um, where was this on sale for you? This was at, at Kroger. Uh, Kroger. Yeah. Okay. Cause I was trying to guess so, what the, the grape of the, I texted you, um, yeah. Early in the morning for you, um, you know, saying, Hey, what's the wine that we were going to, grape type we were going to review because I was going to Kroger and my wife told me that um, wine was on sale. So I said, okay, cool. I'll uh, try to get, figure out what we're going to talk about so I can get that. And then hadn't heard back from you until like after we had left, which is fine. So I just picked something because I also haven't been really shopping wine for a while since I've been drinking off of that. uh, Oh, that uh, Groupon my parents got me. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. uh, I'll, we'll go ahead and introduce it. We actually got different years of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I got the 2017. I think you said you got the 2018. I did. Uh, but it's the Predator Old Vine Zinfandel uh, from Lodi. 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 <laughs> Lodi. Yeah, Lodi. Lodi. Uh, which is uh, the home of Freak Show, which mm-hmm. we've uh, frequently mentioned. Uh, but they also have uh, some Zinfandels from uh, Michael David Win. Uh, Michael David Winery, and also we had uh, a Zinfandel from Lodi from uh, is it Ravens Hill? I think. I think so. Yeah, I think that was. I think that was the other Lodi that, and I think we've also done gnarly root Zinfandel from Lodi. Yeah, I think so as well. Yeah, so th- those are the ones that come to mind, but those are also pretty easily easy to get. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I actually like the. Uh, I think it's. I think it's Ravenwood. I actually like that. There's. Um, they're, they're, they have one from Napa that I think is better, but their Lodi one is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think about this particular one, the Predator? So um, I don't remember as much of it as I thought I was going to, mainly because what I would be my honorable mention, which we'll cover a little bit later, um, kind of blew out my palate and I was just kind of over drinking at that point. Um instead of, you know, kind of focusing on what I was drinking. But like, to me, mine had a lot of like, like it tasted like medicinal. Like interesting. Okay. there was like a oh, yeah, lot you, of clothes you didn't mention in that. it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what my wife pointed out. She's like, oh man, there's a lot of clove in this, clove in this. And then she's like, I was, she was getting more of it on the back end from there. But interesting. Okay. Like I just really kind of got like nothing but clove up front. Okay, so and this may be just a difference in the vintage, uh, mm-hmm. but like for me, it is too much berry flavor. I didn't think it was, it. I don't think it was very well balanced. That was kind of mm-hmm. my takeaway from it. It's not terrible, um, yeah. And for thirteen bucks, uh, not bad at all. Uh, but it was just so much more fruity than. Uh, and it's funny that I was just talking about a wine that had that Concord grape flavor, but it, it had the other things in it that balanced it out. Mm-hmm. This one to me is very, very high, very strong, maybe strawberry, raspberry flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even a little bit of blueberry. There is kind of those other oaky notes like uh, spice, um, leather, uh, mushroomy kind of like those are there, but it's just so much. It's just not balanced. And I think what it's missing is acidity. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I think if it was higher acidity, I think I would appreciate this a lot more. And it may just be the year. Uh, but this particular one is, isn't my favorite. Uh, I, I got other Zinfandels while I was there just because I was like, you know what? I'm trying a Zinfandel now. It's been a while since I've had Zinfandel. Let me get a couple of different ones from different places and try it. So I got a different Lodi one that I'll try maybe this week. And I also got one from Amador that I'll try this week. And um, I think I got one from Sonoma as well. So mm-hmm. it'll be kind of an interesting comparison to see like these are a couple of different places uh, in California that are well known for Zinfandel, particularly Amador, which people don't realize this. But Amador has some of the oldest Zinfandel vines in the world, mm-hmm. and uh, and that used to be the, the the focus of Zinfandel growth until um, you know Sonoma and Napa, and then and Lodi and, and those areas blew up and became these huge uh, popular wine regions. Uh, but Amador, which is kind of on the side of the valley where I'm from, the foothills of the Sierra Nevadas, uh, was doing this a long time ago as well, and. Uh, it, it's a grape that has an interesting history. It's also a grape that can vary and be very different depending on where it's from and, and vintage by vintage. You know, most wine grapes can, but uh, this is this one in particular, I think, is a is California is well known for it. California is where I'm from, as, as we always mention. And it, it has an interesting history. And it is also, like we mentioned earlier, one of those grapes that is mistaken um, for what it was for a very long time. So. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Um, yeah. It, any, any, anything else you want to talk about on Predator? So for a $13 bottle of wine, it's extremely interesting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's what was super different about this. Um, so like, and what's funny is like, did you, does yours have the um, ladybug on it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's got a ladybug on the cork. It has a ladybug on the bottle. And that's kind of what made us pick it up. And then when mm-hmm. you, I texted you, Hey, it's got a ladybug on it. And we were trying to kind of figure out which, you know, what we were going to talk about and what, what I was having. Cause I didn't have the name in front of me. You managed to find it just based on the fact that I said ladybug, which yeah. was super funny to me. I think I've, I, I won't say that I've had it before, but it, when I saw it, I went, this looks like a really familiar bottle. So I've probably seen it before at least and yeah. was, you know, attracted to the label. And as soon as like, like looking at it, like the ladybug thing, I might've had the cab sob that they do or may have had this right. Zinfandel before because I remember having something with a ladybug on it. Okay. Could be wrong, but like something about that sticks out in my head. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you want to get into the history of this particular grape? Yep. Okay. I do indeed. So, I think we've actually talked about this before. Oh, we've talked about Zinfandel multiple times, as if we've never okay. talked about Zinfandel before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, we, you know, the last several weeks we've been going through the, the popular grapes, and I think we would be on, the, what did I tell you, Merlot, I think would be the... I don't remember the, the third. grape you specifically mentioned, but yeah, we would be on the third most popular grape. Yeah. So this is actually, this is further down. This is, I think, eight or nine uh, at the top 10 most popular grapes. Uh, and it is not only grown in California, but under the name Zinfandel, pretty much the United States is where this is grown. Uh, a little bit in Australia, a little bit in South America, but for the most part, California, it, it grows the vast, vast, vast majority of this. Now, for a long time, they thought this was a uh, a unique grape to California that had somehow been created there by immigrants. Um, but it turns out uh, that this is actually a Croatian grape, uh, also grown in Italy. In Italy, it's known as uh, Primavit- uh, Prim- Primitivo. And in Croatia, it's known as something that I cannot pronounce. So it's uh, C-R-L-I-J-E-N-A-K and then space K-A-S-T-E-L-A-N-S-K-I. So I'm not even going to try. <laughs> Krilijonok Kastelonski would be possibly how... It is. 
so that is what it turned out to be. It, didn't, it took until um, I think it was the nineties for them to do a DNA analysis of it and realize, Oh, this is the same as this other thing. But in Europe, this has a history going back to 6,000 BC. Uh, so for a very long time, it was growing in the Mediterranean region. It was used to make uh, a whole bunch of different things. It was most, it was almost all killed by Fluoroxera, the, uh, that those bugs that eat the roots, mm-hmm. um, which I can never know if I'm saying it correctly, but I think it's like Phylloxera. Uh, so they were pretty much wiped out in Europe with the exception of a, a few small areas uh, in Europe. And so people didn't really know what that was, but in the meantime, it had been brought to the United States in the early 1800s when people first started. Uh, well, I guess it was sent as a, uh, a clipping to the, to New York to be, uh, as part of the botanical samples, um, at the, uh, hort- uh, the horticulture, like the horticulture center on mm-hmm. long Island where they had a lot of these different things growing there. And, um, it was sent as it was called Black Zinfandel of Hungary. So huh. this was so that's how it was labeled, and then it later got sent out to California uh, and just planted under the name Zinfandel, uh, and that was in the mid eighteen hundreds. So once it got there and was planted for that, they they were doing different things with it. Uh, very famously. White Zinfandel is grown there, which is more of a rosé color. Uh, and so that that kind of a cheap, sweet wine that is a pretty good introduction for a lot of people. Uh, but over over time, the old vines in um, different parts of California, m- notably uh, Napa and uh, Amador, which I was talking about, they, they had some of the old vines. They started making fine wines out of it. And um, that's... Basically, the history of of Zinfandel. Uh, you want to get into like some of the tasting notes that people can expect from it. Yeah. So, uh, as we mentioned with the one we had, it had kind of some some interesting things. Uh, oh, where did I put my notes? Uh, oh, there it is. Okay. So, uh, so you you had mentioned uh, clove. Mm-hmm. And I said uh, berry flavor, uh, strawberry most notably. So Zinfandel, there, there are it is very well known for its fruit flavor. So white Zinfandel is very popular because it's a very sweet, fruity uh, flavor. It's very accessible to people who prefer just a, a fruity drink, and it's also inexpensive. So a lot of people really like that. Uh, regular black Zinfandel or, or Zinfandel that is not. Um, made as like a rosé or whatever is uh, tends to be, have a lot more of the kind of like umami flavors to it. It gets a lot of the spiciness from oaks. Uh, It's not going to be as tannic as like Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, but it is going to have, and it's not going to be as acidic either. So it's going to be more fruit forward, a little bit less acidic. You're going to get kind of, uh, more like uh so jamminess from it and this is typical more it may not be typical of Zinfandel, but it is typical of california so you're going to get a lot of that kind of jamminess the blueberry uh uh black pepper maybe uh cherry plum like a lot of those kind of anything you can think of that is like a red fruit flavor that you would detect in wine that's going to be kind of present in Zinfandel. but you're also going to get some of the kind of like smokiness the tobacco vanilla uh, baking spices like cloves, like you were mentioning, maybe some leather, mushroom, that kind of stuff. You could get that as well in some of the higher end ones, particularly the older vine ones. Those tend to be more uh, balanced and have kind of a little bit more of those, um, more of those earthy flavors. I, I mean, it's, would you consider like the oakiness more of an earthy flavor? I guess it would be, right? Well, it's hard to say, but yeah, yeah I mean, possibly. Okay. Yeah. So anyways, those kind of other things that are not fruit, those flavors, but you're not going to get as much of the, uh, the acidity that you would get from like, like a cab or, uh, or even like from a California Pinot Noir, you do tend to get a lot more of that acidic flavor, um, and a little bit less of those jammy fruit flavors. 
So mm-hmm. that's kind of what to expect from it. I I, I think for me, Zinfandel's kind of hit or miss. I do like some. I don't, it's not a go-to for me, but I know it's a go-to for a lot of people, particularly white Zinfandel. A lot of people who are not into wine um, really like white Zinfandel. It's considered like low class wine, but you know, we always say you drink what you like and it, it's also low alcohol. So a lot of people like it for that reason. Usually it's nine or 10% on a white Zinfandel and it is uh, low calorie. Usually a glass is about, um, well, it says here 125 calories for a six ounce serving. Uh, and it's also sweet. People like that sweet flavor and cheap. So you can get a bottle of white Zinfandel for like five bucks and it tastes like, you know, a fruity wine drink. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not dry. So it's going to be sweeter and it's going to have that kind of sugariness. So, uh, yeah, that's, it's just a kind of interesting. I think it, there's actually, there's an interesting statistic in this article. Where is it? It says, uh, yeah, here it is. It says white Zinfandel is often the very first wine someone tries. Today, close to 85% of the total Zinfandel production is white Zinfandel. Hmm. So I think that's interesting. Yeah, and the is. reason that's interesting is because I, when I went to Total Wine, I went to go to get a white Zinfandel from Lodi. I, I wanted it specific. I said, can I, do you guys have a dry white Zinfandel from Lodi? Because I kind of wanted to compare that to what you were drinking mm-hmm. or just add it into the mix, you know, so we could talk yeah. about it. Cause I was going to get this one anyways, just to see. And the guy was like, that is a really specific thing. We have white Zinfandel, but it's all bulk wine and we have no idea where any of it comes from. Like the, it comes from California, <laughs> but I don't, I don't know where and, and none of it's dry. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, well maybe it would be in the Rosé section. He's like, you can go look through the Rosé section, but I don't, I don't think there is any dry white Zinfandel from Lodi. Like I have no capacity I, I did go to through. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I went through it. Their their rosé section actually wasn't that big, um, so I did go through it. And I actually saw some rosés that I was interested in trying. There was a South African rosé of Grenache that uh, I thought was kind of interesting. Um, it was from uh, I've had. Uh, well, we won't get into that. I, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember the grape name, but. Um, I've had stuff from different wineries that I saw there and I was like, Oh, they make a rosé. I'm kind of curious, but didn't end up getting them. I ended up getting something else, but um, yeah. So interesting. grape. It's uh, widely accessible. If you're not really a wine drinker, but you like fruity drinks, maybe try white Zin. It could be a good uh, introduction for you to get into the wine world. Yeah. And this is the thing is like, I do like Zinfandel a lot. Um, I think it's one of those wines that, I like the fact that I can get Lodi based ones because my wife's from, you know, it's where near where you're from. My wife's from just a little north of it. Um, but I like a lot of the, the Zen from Lodi because it's like high brick. It's usually like pretty alcoholic. It's usually pretty aggressive. I really like that kind of interestingness to it, um, mm-hmm. which is one of the things I really enjoy about it. So, right. Yeah, uh, but I, like, I agree. Like definitely, else. you know, white Zen is a good starter point for some people. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, I had one more thing. And I think I deleted the email. So <laughs> this was, this is in the kind of the conspiracy and spookiness. As soon as I got back, so I bought, I bought a, uh, actually I've got it in the chat. Let me find it real quick. Um, not in the chat with you, the chat with my sisters. Hmm. Um, I said, I made a joke about it. Oh, here it is. Here we go. Uh, it was, I got a, oh, I didn't put the name of the, of the, of the place. Oh, well. Um, anyways, uh, I, the, the Zinfandel I got from Amador, it was, mm-hmm. it was an inexpensive one. And, but as soon as I got home, I had an email from that winery, which what? was weird. I know. I, but I, I, I was like, this is weird and kind of spooky. And it had like a video about their winery in the email. Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking about it. And I was like, you know what? I am part of like the Total Wine Discount Club or whatever. That makes and sense. And so, yeah. And I put I, I put that in so that I could get a little bit of a discount on, because I bought six bottles of wine. I, if I, I, I never buy less than six bottles of wine because I get 10% off. So, mm-hmm. um, and I'm going to drink it eventually. So there's no reason not to. And, uh, so when I got home, I was like, this is weird. I don't know how they knew I bought this. Uh-huh. 
And then I thought about it and I was like, you know what? I bet you they have like some sort of deal with Total Wine. And that when I bought it, it somehow like sent a signal and then sent a signal to them to, or maybe just to Total Wine and Total Wine emailed me. Uh, but yeah, kind of weird. Yeah, that is definitely not kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it was, it's a weird marketing thing. It does like, I don't, I don't really appreciate it, <laughs> but I want to try the wine. N- you know, nevertheless, I'll try the wine, see what it's like. But uh, yeah, it was it was very weird. Like it's the world we live in now is kind of a strange, uh, strange world of like I don't know how to say it, but like over surveillance. <laughs> yeah, over connection. It is. Yeah, over, like it's like it's overly like, connected. Yeah, I, I I I didn't like that. I was like, this is weird. They specifically emailed me about, and it said, "Hey, thanks for buying our uh, Zinfandel. Here's a video about how we make it, and here's some other wines we also have." <laughs> and I was like, I was like, that's really weird. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's go ahead and uh, hear a word from our sponsor, and then we'll get into. Articles, like I said, I, I didn't have a huge amount of articles this week, but I got a couple that I think are interesting, and um, we'll sort of touch on COVID, which I don't like talking about, but that's really the the dominate dominant news. Yeah. So here's a word from our sponsor. Hi, folks. Dan Reed here, the host of the Culinary Libertarian Podcast. During the show's tenure, I've spoken to celebrated authors of baking and economics. I've chatted with bakers and chefs and libertarians alike to introduce you to people who provide a mix of ideas to build your skills in the kitchen, as well as tempt your appetite toward liberty. Type culinarylibertarian.com slash podcasts into your browser search bar and subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. I look forward to hearing from you. And that is from the Culinary Libertarian. Uh, his most recent episode was about onions. Mm. I haven't listened to it yet, but I thought it had a kind of a, a pun on... I don't know if a pun is the right... Uh, I don't know if that's the right word, pun, for... Um, so the I'll read you the title. It's Don't Cry For Me, Walla Walla, I Like Onions. <laughs> so, because I guess because it's Walla Walla Onions, you know, and, and also onions make you cry. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, <laughs> that was the title of it. I haven't listened to it yet, but he's got really good advice on uh, cooking, and I and I do like to cook with onions a lot. I don't like raw onions, but I do like to cook with onions. Yeah, I love raw onions. Yeah, Victoria loves raw onions too, but yeah, for me, it's got to be cooked or else I won't eat it. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it's actually, actually I'm getting a little bit better with like purple onions and like raw purple onions, I think add a good flavor to certain things. Well, I was going to say raw purple onions are pretty aggressive. So that's funny. Yeah. 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 But you know what? I, I really like the cooked caramelized um, Vidalia onions. Mm-hmm. I, I think those go well with a lot of different things. Like we, we, I made burgers for dinner tonight and uh, I always, I always grill onions and mushrooms in the bacon fat mm-hmm. uh, bef- before making the burgers and um, I really like that. The the Vidalia onions and mushrooms together, I think, makes a really good – it's just a really good flavor on a burger. And um, anyways, yeah, it was really good. But uh, yeah, so anyways, check out that show. And then I have another interesting show to promote. And Ooh. again, I haven't listened to any of it yet. But there is now a Texas wine-specific podcast called This is Texas Wine. Um, so it – it is uh, hosted by Shelley Wilfong, and it focuses on Texas wine, obviously, uh, but also uh, places to visit in Texas for Texas wine and um, I guess the technicals behind Texas wine and uh, what's going on news-wise, um, obstacles and uh, peop- what their awards they're winning and um, – how to make a good vacation if you want to visit Texas wine country or if you want to go up to High Plains or somewhere like that. Uh, it's an interesting concept. I'm going to listen to a couple of the episodes maybe later this week because yeah. I think they've got like three or four out already. And uh, we'll see. I think they, they release it every other week. So I think that it's uh, – yeah, I think it's every other week. So they've been out for about a month. So I think they have three episodes out right now. Pretty cool. Uh, yeah. So 
check that out if you're interested in Texas wine. I, I might try to leverage our position as having talked a huge amount about Texas wine yeah. uh, to either have them on our show or maybe get us on their show to promote Tasting Anarchy. Yeah, that'd be good. And then, you know, somehow Maddie Kay's on there. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And he, you know, he knows, he knows what's going on with Texas wine a lot of the time. So uh, that would be, that'd be cool. Um, yeah, it would. Okay, so I've got two articles. One is a very technical article that is interesting, and it's about uh, the direct-to-consumer wine shipping uh, mid-year report Mm -hmm. for 2020. Uh, It's one that I don't really want to get too much into because it's just a lot of reading percentages and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, But I guess to summarize the article, there's been a huge uptick in (laughs) – Direct consumer shipping. You don't say. Uh, yeah, exactly. And um, you know, like Pennsylvania, for example, has had a 125 percent increase in direct to consumer wine shipping uh, over the first half of last year, first mm-hmm. half of 2019. But then, like places like Oregon, for example, they've only had a six percent increase. Hmm. So it's kind of interesting uh, the way that that's working. It's also the dollars don't always work out exactly. So it seems like in some places people are buying a lot more expensive wine direct to consumer. And in some mm-hmm. places they're buying a lot cheaper wine direct to consumer. So like there's some kind of interesting, it's interesting trends. I, I almost want you to like get the article and maybe read over it next week if you can. And just kind of anything that you think is interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'll go ahead and read the average bottle section just to, just for, you know, the listeners to, uh, you know, mull over. Maybe we'll address it again next week. So it says here, uh, average bottle price. The average bottle price grew slightly in Oregon, plus 2%, and Washington, plus 4%. But it decreased in Sonoma, minus $2, uh, Central Coast, and rest of California by $2.80. So it decreased $2.80 in the rest of California. In the rest of the US, its average decreased by $0.40 per bottle. And uh, most dramatically, what? Where do you think the most dramatic decrease in average bottle price was? It's a specific huh. part of California. I mean, like I would, I would have assumed Sonoma. Like, oh, be kind uh, of my Napa. assumption. Yeah, yeah, it's a Na- Napa down by seven dollars and ninety cents a bottle, which is, I, I've, I've had wine that like, I think is pretty good that costs $7 and 90 cents a bottle. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I guess that's a, that's a huge decrease, but that there could be a lot of things going on with that. There yeah. could be like wine wineries who are just trying to make it and yeah. normally would say, sell their entire stock to like restaurants. So you could have a Sonoma or a, a Napa based wine in restaurant. And so if there's suddenly also like, I mean, you know, how averages work, like, yeah, you know, you're selling $200 bottles of wine and you sell a $20 bottle of wine that really kills the average. Um, yeah. Especially yeah. when they start adding up, if there's, you know, a significant volume increase in sales. Well, yeah. And that, that makes sense. Uh, and it was interesting to, like I said, I don't want to get into all the technicals in the article. It was interesting. They kind of go through like the wine varietals and what changed in the sales of varietals. It seems like people are going, um, or shifting their taste from Cab Sauv to, um, red blends and Chardonnay even more. I mean, Chardonnay is already the most popular wine, but Hmm. there's an increase in Chardonnay purchases and also increase in price point on Chardonnay. Uh, There's also red blends are are, are much higher. The only um, Cabernet Sauvignon decreased by, I think 1% it said in uh, price and I think price and sales numbers, which I thought was interesting. Uh, but that might be good for me because maybe I can pick up some cheaper cab sobs. Maybe. Um, yeah, because and I do like those. Interesting, uh, one of the lowest volume increases was Cabernet Franc. So it increased by 15%. The other ones, so it looks like, so th- this is where the numbers, and one of the reasons I didn't want to get into the minutia of the, of the numbers. Mm-hmm. They they In one part of the article, they say that Cabernet Sauvignon um, decreased, but in another part, their volume increased. So I'm wondering if it's like a, 
decrease on projected increase or something like that. So like it's a it's a weird article when they go through it and you have a little bit more of a like a numbers background than I do. So you mm-hmm. might understand it better than I would. So I thought maybe we'd get into that next time because I didn't I ran across this like literally like 30 minutes before we got into the show because I was yeah. like, oh this is kind of an interesting article and I'd like to go over it. Especially since direct to consumer is kind of I would say it's like super important to us in particular, but I do a lot of direct consumer. You do through uh, your Groupon purchases. Mm-hmm. Although, although, is that a direct consumer? It, no, I guess it's, if you it's buy always Groupon? like this was from WineOnSale.com was the last one I got. Okay, so, so no, I guess that's like just an online retailer. Yeah, and and I guess I guess Last Bottle Wine is also technically an online retailer. Mm-hmm. So I get a lot from them. I do order directly from wineries uh, pretty frequently, but it's usually one or two bottles and it's usually something very specific that I want. Yeah. It's we're targeting something to explore, but like, I think that's one of those things where it, it it doesn't make sense that from a libertarian perspective that not being able to do, you know, direct to consumer sales and stuff like that. That's one of the things that you and I have always been frustrated with is, you know, there are wine regions in this country where based on where you live, we can't get, like you, you can't order like their wine you like d- right. to directly to you. So you've got to go try to find it at like a retailer or you got to get it like somehow convince a retailer to import it in some way. It It's very frustrating. Yeah, it is. And then there's yeah a lot of States where you can't do direct shipping. Although I think, I think the law is you're supposed to be able to do it anywhere, like on a federal level, but a lot of States require like different, like licensing things that yeah. is legal. And cause I remember, um, with, um, our friend in Portland, um, uh, W Danius, mm-hmm. John, John, is it John? Yep. Yeah. John W Danius. Uh, I know he had some, some complications with shipping to different places. He, like he had licenses to ship to a number of places, but not all places. Mm hmm. And he actually might be somebody I might reach out to him again. I've reached out to him a couple of times over the years and I don't, I either get like very short responses or uh, he's just not really an internet guy. Yeah. And, um, but all of the weird stuff that's going on in Portland right now, he might be somebody who's kind of interested, interesting to talk to yeah. about what's going on in Portland. Well, and like, I mean, Seattle, like if we could get Jackson blood back on like all that. That's right. Nonsense. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I'll talk to maybe I'll maybe I'll reach out to him too. I haven't seen him on Twitter very often lately, so uh, I don't know if he's just off or I just haven't run into him very much. But yeah, uh, that would be a good person to yeah. talk to. All right. Anyways, off of the direct consumer stuff, uh, I had another one. Uh, actually, I've got a couple of choices. One, we could get into this interesting crowdfunded. Uh, local bars in Waco who are upset about the COVID lockdown and it's, uh, and they've started a GoFundMe, which has raised $75,000 in the first week uh, to basically bail out their breweries in Waco because they're not allowed to open because of the food restrictions. Wow. Um, yeah, well, let's get into that one. Then, then we'll get into the most popular wines of uh, the pandemic. If we have time. Sounds good. Um, so uh, there's a, bu- a bunch of breweries in Waco, obviously. Uh, Waco's kind of an interesting city. So it's it's a it's a small city. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's in for anybody who doesn't know where Waco is. Waco is very famous for the Waco standoff, which actually was not in Waco. It's 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 close to Waco, but it's further out of the town. Um, but uh, with the Branch Davidians, that, but but Waco itself is a, is a small city. It's in between. Um, Austin and Dallas. It's the home of Dr. Pepper, uh, my, mine and your favorite soft drink. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's, it's an interesting little city. Uh, Victoria and I went down there. It's uh, got a really nice little river walk you can do. Uh, there is a lot of kind of eclectic breweries and like interesting, um, not chain restaurants. What do you call that? Like a, a restaurant that's not a chain, just a independent, I guess. I mean, that's what I would think so. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, so, uh, the Waco craft bar and brewery rescue project was, uh, put up on GoFundMe to basically raise money for the, the local breweries 
because part of the deal with the restriction is that you have to be able to serve like certain types of food with the beer in order for people to come and drink at the location. So I, I don't know if you have that in Virginia. We have that here in Texas. Like, um, so some of them are local laws and some of them are statewide laws. Like Dallas had this weird one where like I went over to community brewing, uh, which actually I happen to be drinking a community skinny IPA, which is their low calorie IPA, which I like. Um, they had this weird thing where like only one person can come inside at a time. <laughs> and when I, when I went there, there, I was, I was the first one who got there. I had Mulder. I t- was taking him to the vet. And when I got done with the vet, I took Mulder over there to get some beers. And when I left, there was like 10 people in line. So they're like, they're all crowded around each other outside waiting to get in. So what's the difference? Like, that's what, that's what bothers me about a lot of these restrictions where they're like, only one person's allowed inside. And it's like, yeah, but they're just standing close to each other outside. So I don't really, I don't really see the difference. Like what, like maybe, I mean, maybe there is because it's outside versus, I don't know, but. uh, There isn't. It's just outside of where they could get in trouble. Yeah, I guess so. So anyways, they, they had all those kind of weird restrictions. Well, Waco's got a similar restrictions and a lot of these places haven't been able to open up and they're on the verge of going out of business. And Waco is kind of like a burgeoning hipster town. Um, you know, they've got that that show where they uh, buy up the cheap houses and flip them with the... Um, yeah, they, they don't technically buy cheap houses to flip, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. the Chip and Joanna games. That. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting little city, and they do have kind of that, that, that scene with a lot of breweries. Um, and let me see. I'll read some of the breweries they have on this uh, thing. It's called... Um, Bear Arms Brewing, Barnett's Public House, Brothel Brewing, Dance Bear Pub, True Love Bar, Southern Roots Brewing, Waco Ale Company. Uh, those are the only ones they have listed here. And so, anyways, they they were end up raising seventy five thousand uh, dollars in just a in just a week to kind of keep these companies in business because the restrictions that were either what they may not be out the same way right now, but at the time, no, this was on July 31st. So this was two days ago. So uh, the restrictions were that they couldn't have people come in and hang out and have beers because they weren't serving food. Mm -hmm. And so they were like, so here's a quote from uh, one of the guys. He says, uh, everybody that's in so he's so the donations will be split among um, the seven businesses, and this is the quote. So everybody that's in that position that's not allowed to be open is struggling. There's no denying it. There's no question. Um, so this is one of the owners of Waco Ale Company. People have bills to pay. People have staff salaries to pay, and it's pretty tough. Uh, so and then he says uh, a rising tide. Oh, this is a different guy. Okay, no, I'm I'm confused. I had a really good quote here that was about. Oh, here we go. Yeah, this this guy from uh, this is from the guy at Bear Arms Brewing, and he says there's no difference in my opinion between having a beer and having a beer and a basket of French fries. Uh, and places that serve French fries apparently are allowed to be open. <laughs> so a lot of people are going. A lot of people are going buying a, a bag of fries and getting beers at like Applebee's or wherever. But these these places that specialize in this are were not allowed to open, and mm-hmm. uh, because they didn't serve food, and so that's one of the reasons why they're really upset. And I've I've been hearing this from like a lot of places around the country, and this we talked about this several weeks ago in California. Some of the wineries were talking about this, where certain wineries were allowed to open because they serve food, and mm-hmm. some wineries were only doing tastings, and they were like, "This is not fair." Like. We, that's our competition. You're putting us out of business because we don't serve food. And so we have no chance to even try to compete. And, and that's kind of what's going on here in, in Waco as well, is there are brew pubs and uh, local restaurants that serve craft brews. Or, or even if they don't serve craft brews, they're allowed to be open and they're allowed to sell beer. Uh, but they may not carry one of these companies things. And like when I, when I travel, I usually do try to look for a, uh, you know, a local brewery or a local winery or something like that, just to try it. And that's like one of these situations where if we, we happen to be, you know, going down to Childerberg, for example, because 
one of the ways to to the Childerberg location was through Waco. You could stop in Waco and have a beer if you wanted to, like mm-hmm. for lunch or whatever. And right now they're not allowed to do it. Yeah. So, I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, so, like, this is what kind of happened in Virginia recently, like, but specifically to Hampton Roads. Like, Governor Blackface decided to put, like, more restrictions on Hampton Roads and, like, you know, basically made it so restaurants have to close at, like, 1030 because, like, supposedly, like, there's a surge in, you know, they can limit to 50% capacity. Um, oh, they either stop serving alcohol after 10. Uh, and we'll have to close at midnight. Gatherings of 50 more more people are prohibited. It's like, and it, it's like, goes into effect on Friday. But, like, this was last, you know, the Friday that just passed. Or, no, Friday before that. Like, and it was, like, just randomly. You know, like, oh, like, oh, there's surging. But, like, the trends were saying they were going down. So it's just one of those things where it's like hospitalizations are going down and, and, you know, it's just, it's like arbitrary applications and like basically bars because they didn't sell food, couldn't like be open, you know, and it's just, uh, I don't know. It's driving me nuts where like they're always like going like, oh yeah, like we're seeing, you know, Northam says, COVID case numbers are stable in four of the state's five regions, but we're seeing a concerning rise in Hampton Roads. It's about stopping the spread and like, you know, people drink and then they're not as you couldn't go up to the bar. You know, it's just like a continual, like, uh, as annoying as anything. So, and, and that's the thing is like, it's, it's this weird application of rules and like, you know, I think, I think eating would be even more of a risk. Cause like how many people choke on food compared to like liquids? Like it just, where's the science that says this specifically is going to help or makes any right. sense. And like, yeah, I and mean, it from does that seem, standpoint, where's the science saying that we're in trouble? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it does seem like kind of like a grasp. Um, when, I mean, and it's no secret to the listeners of this show. Like I wouldn't say I don't believe in, Corona, but I don't believe that it is um, anywhere near as bad as they said it would be. Yeah, and and I, but I mean, I never did. So I, that was the thing is that like you know, we we always say I always talk about the boy who cried wolf, and somebody it might have been you actually was pointing out that this wasn't exactly the same thing as the boy who cried wolf, but like to me this was because all of our years of life and my entire life they've been telling us the next big pandemic is here. Mm-hmm. And it's always been like a flash in the pan. And and actually, yeah. apparently that uh, one of those ones was actually pretty serious. Uh, and it just kind of went away. Nobody did anything about it. It yeah, was SARS. Um, was it SARS? Or I think it was H1N1 was was the one that um, apparently now something like 70% of seasonal flu is H1N1. But uh, or maybe, maybe so I, I don't remember. Somebody was telling me that actually it did turn out that that was actually pretty bad. But. Yeah, it just kind of replaced a bunch of the other flus. Yeah, like I don't believe that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. But anyways, they they were somebody was telling me about that. I, I and I don't know enough about it to say it. But it's like you know, it's kind of one of those things where like this is again this is anecdotal. I don't know anybody who's had it. Um, I don't know anybody who's tested positive. Yeah, I don't know anybody who. Well, obviously, I, I don't know anybody who's had it, so I also don't know anybody who has died from it. The closest I have come into contact with this is my sister's boyfriend's cousin's grandmother, supposedly in her 90s, died from corona. Yeah. That's the closest I've come into contact with this disease other than the whole shutdown thing. Yeah, exactly. And this is the thing that's driving me nuts about like all of this is, you know, even there is something out there that people are getting that some people, when they get it, it kills them. Mm -hmm. But we also have seen things where they're like, well, you know, maybe a ventilator isn't a good thing to put them on and maybe uh, doing these things aren't helping. And like, there's no established science for any of this. And, you know, this is one of those things where like, as much as I hate Governor Blackface and everybody else, yeah. imagine if this was actually like the bubonic plague where like, yeah. you know, upwards of 30% of 
a population could die. So like right. you would literally be trying to shoot planes out of the sky to stop them from coming. You know what I right. mean? Like th- this is kind of like the Tom Woods kind of classic description of like, um, like cl- global warming and climate change. Oh yeah. Yeah. If, if climate change was as deadly and a problem as m- what they say, this is, that would be the only thing people would be talking about. It's like, finding out that we have one year exactly to stop a Texas size asteroid from hitting the, the world. It's like, why would you talk about anything else ever? What are we going to do? Like, are we throwing nuclear weapons at it? Are we firing all the nukes? Like, what are we doing? So, you know, this is just one of those classic things where it's like, how does any of this make sense? Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's kind of to, to, I guess, hammer home that point is um actually i think malice also used that i don't remember who came up with it but yeah is that like it's this it, it, you're right it's the same thing is that why would we be arguing about equity right now or income disparities or any of these other things that are going on if this is as serious as a risk as and i think it was very very perfectly illustrated by the last time that um what's that what's that doctor who's like fauci is it yeah yeah, Fauci. When like that last time he was in Congress, and one of the, and he was, and he also mentioned during this thing, he was like, "Well, maybe we should start wearing goggles too." Yeah, because apparently, and like, but anyways, uh, one of the senators was like, "So, um, should we not allow protests right now because it's such a contagious disease?" And and you say, according to your testimony, that we're not out of the woods yet. This is still very serious and that we, we need to like do social distancing and wear masks and stay away from each other. And he's like, well, I don't want to give, you know, policy recommendations. And the guy goes, well, you give recommendations all the time. We just are asking you, what's your opinion? Should, should they not do the protests? And he just won't touch it with a nine foot pole. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, clearly this is not, Clearly, if if you're a doctor and, you know, he has not been practicing medicine for probably 30 years. He's been in, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, he's been in the swamp for the last 30 years as a medical. uh, And making money off of bureaucrat. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's right. He did make tons of money off of AIDS. And apparently that thing was Mm -hmm. uh, not a good vaccine or or not a vaccine, but not a good medication for it um, and killed a lot of people. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, this is a guy that doesn't have the greatest record ever. He's also been a bureaucrat for the last 30 years or so. He's not practicing medicine. There's a number of doctors who are saying other things. Mm-hmm. And yet we're all supposed to listen to this guy who won't even give his opinion on uh, these protests where there's tons of people standing very close to each other, many without masks, uh, you know. Yeah, and I mean, like. Those it, guys are allowed to do it, but people who want, you know, who are protesting that they can't get a haircut can't do it. Or like, that's you know, sort of protesting like they don't have a job anymore like, yeah exactly yeah so. that's like one of the things like my sister was like so my my brother like he he might have like a summer cold or something like that so like this weekend was my grandmother and my dad's birthday so we went over there to my dad's house or my parents house for dinner and so my brother wasn't feeling well so like my mom said hey we'll make you a plate you know swing by and we'll bring it out to you or whatever and I was just going to go out there and hand him the bag. And like, my brother was like trying to figure out like how to come in without like, you know, he was like, if I've got COVID, I don't want to give it to anybody. You know, like my grandmother's yeah. 86, yeah, my fair. dad's 66, my mom's you know, 58. Like he, he's trying to be helpful, but like he came inside and my sister was like about losing her mind. Cause like he pulled down his mask cause he wore his mask inside. And I thought that was a bit over, you know, ridiculous, but, and you know, he talked for just a little bit and my sister was kind of like, you know, really angry about it because she's like, I can't get sick. I don't have a job right now. Like, and like, if I get sick, I can't work. And she's like delivering groceries, but it's like, you're going to all these people's houses. You have no idea who they've run into. Like not to like my sister's point. I don't think it's as dangerous as she was thinking it was, but like, if she did get sick, even if she didn't get COVID, she, she's got to work. You know, like, yeah. So, yeah. like, I can respect her point, and it makes more sense to me now. It was hot over there, and I was a little fussy about some other stuff, but I mean, everybody was. <laughs> so it's just, but it, yeah, you know, I, I, I that, and we can definitely. I mean, 
I was talking to Victoria about this when we were driving home the other day from, we went out to pizza actually, but mm-hmm. uh, there is something, you know, you know how like you could feel a storm coming or something like that. Yeah. Like I do feel that where it's like things are not good. Yeah. And, and like, and you can feel it like people are a little bit pissier than usual there. And I think part of it is that you can't see anybody's face mm-hmm. and that, I think that is part of what I'm feeling is I am a, I'm very much a, you know, I'm not, I'm not really a talker. I don't like talk to strangers and stuff that much. Uh, but I think I do look at people's faces and I, and I get a sense of what's going on around me by face. Also, I actually, this was a, another anecdote or whatever, you know, I'm deaf. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took the car to Jiffy Lube to get the oil change. I didn't hear a word. Any of those people were saying to me the entire time I was there. <laughs> and and but I, I'm also kind of non-confrontational, so I was just going, yeah, yeah, the entire time. And like, and it, it occurred to me after I left, I was like, I don't even know what I agreed to for, <laughs> for any of the stuff that they were telling me. Like they were talking to me, I have no idea what they were saying. I can't read, and I and I do heavily rely on reading lips mm-hmm. um, mixed with the sound because I'm not I'm not deaf deaf. It's just that certain tones I don't hear very well. Yeah. And so it makes it difficult for me to hear the voice. Mm-hmm. But if I can see what their their mouth moving, I can put those two together. And and that gives me an idea of what people are saying. And I, I had no idea what these guys were telling me. Like, there was a couple of times like when he was asking me what oil I wanted, I, I was just staring at him going like I, – I also didn't put my mask on because we were outside. Mm-hmm. But like I just stared at him for a second and he kind of stares back and there was just like awkward silence. And I was like, I don't know what to do in this situation. I can't hear him. I know that he probably has to wear his mask because it's probably the rule. And then he like, find, like I think he realized that I didn't hear what he was saying. Mm-hmm. And so he pulls out the piece of paper and starts like pointing at the different oils. Yeah. And, then and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, like, I think that's also one of those things. Like that's kind of a classic you situation. Where like mm-hmm. you don't go in and go like it's like hey I'm sorry I, I'm really hard of hearing and I can't understand you right now can you write it down or you know like hey like I'll step back six feet can you pull down your mask so I can understand what you're saying and that's yeah, kind of yeah. one of those things where like this is like something my wife does where it's like she doesn't want to be an imposition on people. But she's being an imposition on people, and you are too. And we all, oh yeah, absolutely. The, the three of us do it all the time. Like it is yeah. what it is. It's just who we are as people. But like, I'm much more like I don't understand what you're telling me. Like, just like I'm going to put it out there. You're the one telling something. You're going to have to deal with it. Like, <laughs> right? How do you yeah. want to complete this transaction? Can you write it down? Like, I don't understand what you're doing. Like, right. So, a quick aside story. Like. Because it was my dad's birthday this weekend, we tried to take my daughter over to my parents' house for a one day of the weekend where she's there for most of the day and we're not there. Let them be grandparents, you know, if they want to take her to the toy store and buy her all the toys they can, they want to, you know, sit at home and do nothing, like whatever they want to do and that she's up to do, we trust them, you know, she's, they're her grandparents, like they're fine. So we took her over there and we were debating what to do. We were like, well, maybe we'll go to the full ocean front and, you know, kind of be at the beach as long as we want to be. Maybe we'll go to Leaping Lizard Cafe, which is a restaurant we really like, but it was supposed to be like 98 degrees today. <laughs> and I don't think it got oh, that wow. hot, but it was supposed to be hot. Um, and it was warm. Um, so we ended up going to Smithfield, which is, you know, oh, cool. 45 minutes an hour away. And we went yeah, to nice. uh, Wharf Hill Brewing because they've got a nice restaurant. And, you know, we pigged out, had, you know, more, I had two beers and they weren't amazing beers, but like they were good, like brew pub beers. Like they right. were made by the brewery. That was fun. So we went up there and like, we really like Smithfield. We love the feel of the town. We've joke about buying yeah. property up there all the time. We, you know, yeah, like, I, like, I like it up there too. Yeah, exactly. So they have this place like Maggie something and it's an Irish, like Irish, Scottish Highlands kind of kitschy store. Like, yeah. And a while ago we had bought my daughter a merino wool sweater that was zip up and you know it was like the adult ones are a couple like a hundred dollars or more the kids ones are like 50 bucks so we had gotten her an oversized one and then my wife washed it not remembering that washing merino lamb wool 
are like yeah, the wool. Yeah. Like it's not drying that drying's bad. Washing it is as bad. So yeah, right. we went and got our new one. And you know, like I never put the mask over my nose. Like just kind of as a F you to the system. Yeah. Like I'm just, I never really do it. And the way the lady was like, like trying to like motion to me to do like put it up. And I hadn't, and this was as we were checking out and we'd been in there the entire time. Right. And I had been that way. And she was kind of like, Hey, the owner is here and she's going to get on me if you don't. And I was like, okay, that's fine. But like, you know, I just routinely go around without doing it. And I routinely have, you know, wireless headphones in and my sunglasses on and the mask on. <laughs> and like, right. you know, like I'll talk to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, know, very genial guy. But a lot of times I just kind of go around like, yep, there's no way no one, anybody can talk to me. So right. like mainly because I don't want to be hassled by like, like this one time I got like hassled by this black guy, like who was like doing some sort of scam in Walmart. And like, I got ripped off for like 60 bucks, but I was kind of like, I have a feeling this guy will follow me out and take my wallet if I don't give him some money. So I'm just giving him money and I'm getting the hell out of here. Like, <laughs> You know, it was like, I almost got the like police officer, like that's at the Walmart that I was at. Like, I was just like, I don't know what to do. This, my life is not worth 60 bucks. I'm giving the guy six, like, it's not worth losing my life over $60. Here's $60. Just go away. <laughs> like, I think I've done, I've done yeah. that kind of thing where like, where they were talking to me and I was like, I'll give you 20 bucks to just leave me alone. Yeah. And, and that was and, the thing. Yeah. So like, but you know, it's, it was one of those things where it's like, okay, I don't understand what you're trying to tell me. Like you've got the mask on, but like that was a, one of those situations where I realized like she was trying to tell me something not like, and she wasn't having a trouble communicating it. Cause she had the mask on. She had trouble communicating it. Cause she wasn't trying to point out the fact that she hadn't done it when, when I walked in. Cause the boss was there and I was like, Oh, oh I see. It's like, Oh, I get it. But yeah, like the first time, the first time we went to Kroger and the masks and they put up like these plastic, like waist high, like, you know, cheap plexiglass things. Like, I have no idea what that checkout lady said to us. <laughs> like, oh yeah. yeah. Nope. No idea. I, that's, that's every, that's every trip to Kroger I go to where they're talking to me and I'm just like, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. And yeah. I, and I don't, and you're wearing a mask. So I can't read your lips and I'm hard of hearing. And, exactly. It's uh, just like I don't. Which is, is interesting because, like, I I would I would say that I'm not disabled with the level of hearing loss that I have, but mm -hmm. this is making it like I am. Yeah. The the, the whole mask thing because usually I get by because I can read lips pretty well, or or the combination of the lips moving and the noise mm -hmm. I can I can usually tell, but um, you know it's it's uh. Yeah, I, I'm seriously, seriously considering getting hearing aids because, like, I I don't understand what people are telling me. I think uh, you should definitely get checked out for that. Yeah, um, yeah, and and I and I think I should also sue the state for making me disabled. So, <laughs> <laughs> go on disability. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, but well, you know, what? okay. So we're we're actually an hour in. I don't, I don't think I'm going to read the next article. Nah, but, um, yeah, I think this is a good place to. Kind of yeah. talk about it. I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll give people a teaser. Up. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll give people a teaser on it. It's uh, the title of the article was uh, what are the best selling wines of the pandemic? And uh, surprise, surprise. It's what's been trending up for the last several years anyways. And it's rosés and sparklings. <laughs> so, uh, so you can read that article. It's on Forbes. It's by uh, Kate Dingwall. That's, that's really the reason I chose it. Cause I thought her last name was funny, but, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, not a bad article. Uh, maybe I'll throw it in the show notes and um, I guess we can go ahead and do uh, our wrap up. Uh, le let me read this real quick Sure. Uh, for my plug. Um, and there may be more than this, but where is my profile? There it is. Okay. So uh, I've got the dates for Ron Paul day here mm -hmm. in DFW. So uh, I'll read exactly the post that I made on Twitter, and it is Ron Paul Day is August 22nd. That's a Saturday. Uh, my goal is to have people hold parties across the country and raise money for the Ron Paul Institute. If you are in the DFW area, meet us at Meadowmere Park from 12 to 4 p.m. That's on Lake Grapevine. Uh, we will be cooking out and cooling off in the lake. See you all there.
So that is uh, the thing. Uh, I believe that Rollo is going to do one in southeastern Pennsylvania, uh, near Delaware, near um, near southern Jersey, near northern Maryland, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that general area. Uh, keep an eye on the Childerberg Twitter page for that sort of uh, announcement. And then um, let's try to get a newsletter yeah. out with that. Those two. Uh, that's a good idea. Yeah let's, yeah. let's try Let's try to get that one out before Friday. So we'll do that. I'll put it in, in the newsletter as well. And, and maybe, maybe you can put some articles in also. I'm not sure if you have anything in particular to talk about, but not, not at the moment, but yeah. So you can always follow us at, uh, Tasting Anarchy on Twitter, tastinganarchy.com, childerberg.com, childerberg on Twitter. Uh, you can go send us an email, tastinganarchy at gmail.com. And um, yeah, I think that's it. That's it. Yeah. All right. Well, then I guess uh, from us at Tasting Anarchy, stay free. Stay free. <laughs>